At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Tiago Welch of Sustainable Humane Earth, or SHE, to talk about his experience with permaculture activism. Tiago is an Austin musician, permaculture designer, and yogi. With all of his intensive training, Tiago and his partner, Gunjan Middle, created a socially conscious local business called Sustainable Human Earth, or SHE for short. SHE is true Mother Earth activism. Welcome to the show today, Tiaga. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? I knew I wanted to do something with um, sort of raising awareness and consciousness around uh, the way we live our lives. And it originally started as a festival that kind of spoke to all these like-minded ideals. Mm-hmm. It, was called, it was called Art Music Life. And because I am a musician, um, that's where, you know, my original inspiration for conscious ideas began. Mm-hmm. And we did a small version of it in Houston. And then uh, my part, life partner and I basically went on this epic journey uh, uh, going all over the place and nice. lived in India and traveled quite a bit and came to permaculture. So mixed with our spiritual uh, pilgrimages and the mind-opening adventure we had with Max Myers and several other amazing permaculture teachers. The business quickly transformed because we realized we could um, create so much action with ourselves within our own space um, and let the action that we do in our own space speak in volumes, um, speak for itself and have others join up with us, you know, in this, uh, in the movement. Cool. So you you mentioned permaculture, and I can't ever pass that up. I've been studying permaculture myself for over twenty five years. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and so you you went and did a permaculture design course. Yes, uh, we did a a permaculture design course uh, in Eugene, Oregon. Nice. It's a great place to take a course. You know, I'm sure if you've been there, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So a lovely community of uh, different. Um, teachers and people that we learn from that are actually living it and doing it. It was a real hands-on course. Mm-hmm. Learned a lot and uh, mainly connected with um, Maximilian Myers, Max Myers, uh, who's now a, a colleague of mine. And he was a permaculture design teacher? Yeah, he gave, he gave I would say, the best, most juiciest part of the course. And nice. um, uh, this, the strategies that you know I learned there, we still use today. And I'm sure um, some of your 
you know, your followers and listeners are familiar with it, but being able to use a holistic approach is something that we were already familiar with in the whole spiritual world. And being an artist, uh, it just makes permaculture even that much more of like a dream world coming true because uh-huh. you can put your artistic mind to your designs and uh, know that it grows much further than food. And I think the stacking function portion of the permaculture principles is what we really uh, specialize in. Great. So I I need you to tell everybody what stacking functions mean. Because in my my opinion, that is one of the coolest things in permaculture called stacking functions. Tell us about that. Right. And I think that's what Max is really good at too. And it's basically looking at any situation. It doesn't have to be the garden. Literally any situation and seeing how many functions you can get out of that one situation. So even if it's how you get to work or the interactions that you have with people, seeing how many functions there uh, there are, and it basically comes down to resource sharing, uh-huh. which is kind of like its own separate permaculture principle. Because once you can stack functions, you can share resources within your own place. Mm-hmm. Um, because you realize that all these things are actually connected and they're available to you, <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, stacking functions could be how how you use your small space in order to maximize your potential of your yield and your fruits and vegetables, like using a vertical uh, growing space all and then right. having, having a co- cover crops underneath. Right. And you can apply that to your business structure, which is what we've done, I would say, to the max is what is what she is all about. I mean, Uh basically, it's everything that we do in our lives compiled into one conscious business. So it's the definition of stacking functions. Yeah. Yeah. Do, Do you have a specific example of stacking functions that you can say it looks like this? Yeah, sure. Um, best one is, uh, I got, I just got to keep giving credit to max. It's so genius. Uh, we have in our aquaponics system, we wanted to figure out how to feed the fish without uh, GMO f- fish feed, which oh, is yes. what <laughs> a great majority of the fish are, are fed. Right? Yep, exactly. So Max put our um, black fly larvae worm composting bin right next to our fish tank. And mm-hmm. then we just simply put a little hose in there because eventually the black fly larvae want yep. to become flies. Yep. And then we... we put that hose into a pipe that literally drops right over the fish tank. So all day long, our fish are getting big <laughs> juicy uh, black fly larvae worms. Uh-huh. And at the same time, we are composting our waste, our kitchen scraps and the leftover you know, scraps from the farm go into the worm composting bin. Yeah. The worm, the, that particular worm composts faster than you know a great deal of other worms so right many functions are happening within just one little system fantastic i want to i i understand this when i love my soldier fly bin but i'm going to kind of add some clarity to the process sure. so you have food waste and the food waste goes into the soldier fly bin right yes and then the soldier flies um they're so incredibly cool when when they're ready to go from larval stage one to larval stage two they want to climb up and out of the muck Yes. Right. And so then they're climbing up and out of the muck and they drop into the fish pond where the fish eat them. Right. Right. Fantastic. So and they're like, I don't know, 50 percent protein. Yeah. Uh, So then you have the. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say beautiful way of explaining it. This is the difference when you've been doing it for 25 years. (laughs) No, that's that's okay. Absolutely. I want to just want to add clarity here. Well, but then let's take that further because you're getting fish and other things from from the fish, right? 
Right. So, I mean, aquaponics itself, I suppose, is the definition of stacking functions, it right? absolutely because, is. Yeah, because um, you have the fish that are there happily swimming and uh-huh. pooping, happily pooping. The fish is <laughs> yep. the fish poop is pumped out into a media that's either filtered or digest the, uh, the fish waste with, you could use red wiggler worms or whatever. Yep. So the fish waste then becomes nutrient from the plants and the plants give nutrients to our bodies and create so many other different things exactly. because we, we take seeds off of our plants too. So then you can add, continuing adding on how, that's how you look at it as a designer. How many just you start lifting yep. them at, and that's another principle is observation. How uh-huh. many, you know? Yeah, exactly. Beautifully said. Beautifully <laughs> said. You got this permaculture stuff down, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks. We try We try hard to know <laughs> what we're doing. Yeah. So, Tiaga, I have to ask, your name is yeah. uh, Sanskrit. What does it mean? My full name is Tiaga Raja, and um, I just call myself Tiaga for short. Mm-hmm. I would say it's the more more important uh, part of uh, meaning of the name. The, na- the, the word Tiaga means uh, renunciation or sacrifice, or as I like to look at it as uh, uh, more like a willingness to help others, and uh-huh. that's be, being the highest principle that you could live by. Because to say sacrifice makes some people scared, like oh, you're you know just being completely subservient. But it's right. actually the the clear the definition is a willingness to serve others without needing to take something mm-hmm. in return. So renunciation, sacrifice, and raja means uh, king. So the name together would mean king of that, you know, of that quality. Well, but maybe. the name actually is uh, a common South Indian name, and there's a musical, a musical saint by the name of Tiagaraja wrote twenty seven thousand devotional songs. So oh I my a gosh! Long way to go. I have about a hundred. <laughs> right. Congratulations on that! Right, uh, and so my uh, one of my teachers gave me that name, and I've given respect to it and honor to it, and learned as much as I can about it ever since. Fantastic! So let's jump over to she or sustainable humane earth. What is it? What are you doing? We've gone through many incarnations of it. As I said, originally it was a festival, uh, art, music, life, and then the permaculture training shifted uh-huh. that around uh, 100%. Now art, music, life is is a uh, is an event that um, Sustainable Humane Earth puts on. You know, cool. So the first incarnation of it is trying to be practical because. I, you know, installed many urban farms in the Austin Houston area. I would say we specialized in urban for a while. Uh-huh. I worked I worked and partnered with a, a commercial aquaponics farmer in West Austin in Texas, and then we eventually bought our bought our own property. So we pretty much figured out that uh, we figured out a solution that with the permaculture principles along with the aquaponics uh, greenhouse within a, within certain dimensions uh-huh. without giving away everything can produce us somewhat of a guaranteed income. Now, if you say the word guarantee to a farmer, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll laugh at you. you know? yeah. I know what it takes. Believe me, we've, we've come very near to perfecting the system. So confident enough that we can build out in this way. So we're developing, uh, the new property with heavy with, uh, permaculture principles. Uh-huh. And the first incarnation of it is just that. We have many, many uh, stages and phases that we're, we'll be moving into throughout the years. Got it. So you're actually growing food though, right? Yeah. I currently grow food on all our urban farms now that are located in um, literally in just people's homesteads all over Austin. Nice. And I still partner with the 
aquaponics farm in Austin, we've tripled their production. And what wow. I think she specializes in, because we do uh, another permaculture uh, technique of, uh, well, it's not a technique, you just talk to people, you know, it's a uh, community building. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so we that is, uh, that is a permaculture technique, by the way, building yeah, community. Right. Absolutely. One of the most important that we value so greatly. So you know, I think our, one of our specialties is going out into the community because farmers are so busy being farmers that they have a hard time being the liaison that gets their product to yeah. the marketplace. And um, we specialize in that. So we were able to get solidify some contracts for this farmer and, you know, <laughs> help him sustain his living, you know. Right. In doing that, we were confident enough we could we could up the ante and increase our production by that same amount. Great. And um, I have an interesting question for you. What is your main crop? <laughs> uh, people ask that in our courses quite a bit. I think yeah. they're just interested in what, what people grow. And I, I also get this from uh, Max Myers. But we, we, our main crop is soil. Because, mm. as, and especially as an aquaponics uh, you know, farmer, mm -hmm. it's still important to cultivate the soil for a number of reasons. Um, talk about stacking functions. The what's going on in the soil? Uh, you, I mean, there's too many functions. You can't even say it. Mm -hmm. But we know that uh, desertification is a real problem. We know that the removal of the topsoil is a real problem. So in permaculture, you see the problem as a solution, and you try to find the way of growing it. Or um, you know, if something's in a gr uh, resources in great need, how do we cultivate that more and not even sustainable, right? Like we, we're in agreement. The word sustainable is overused. It has to be yeah. regenerative. We have to get it to a point where it actually sustains itself and right. is regenerative. Sustaining means, oh, we're just carrying on a business as usual. We are way past that. <laughs> so soil is soil is very important. And so we, we special, I would say per pound, we grow more soil than any other. Anything else. <laughs> Fantastic. Anything. What is the philosophical approach to She's operations? Well, um, this is something that is not so easy for everyone to understand, but mm -hmm. I can put it into context as working for an, another farm before she um, uh, was in full operation. So I worked with a farmer and he could feel the energy that I would bring to the, to the project uh -huh. and afterward would tell other people that well, I really couldn't do this without the, the, you know, the effort of Tiaga and what he's brought to the project. I say that not being uh, bragging. Mm -hmm. I say that because what he's experienced, what he's, what he's experiencing, although he doesn't know it, is a quality of what's called seva. And that oh. word is a Sanskrit word, which means a very something similar to my name, which is the willingness to do anything and everything to serve your community, mm -hmm. your fellow people, the animals, the plants, without a want or a need for anything in return. In return yeah. And most of us, and I'm guilty of it also, I'm, I don't, I can't always live by these principles because society has developed in such a way because that we've created this competitive attitude within each other and we've created a separation. You know, my this is my fence, my yard, my American dream, you, you're not allowed in. Right. So that we we are not familiar with acting with that kind of integrity in mm -hmm. the heart. Right. So I would say that at the core, no matter what we're doing, whether we're putting on an event, whether mm -hmm. we're, teach, we're, we're sharing and teaching the things that we've learned that are earth and life healing strategies, or whether it's music or whatever it is, 
the intention and the feeling behind that is from the root of it, Sela. And that quality in the heart is the quality of not wanting anything in return from it. The only, the, the joy is in the participation mm-hmm. of carrying out the service. Spell that for us, would you? The spelling of the word Seva is mm-hmm. uh, in English transliteration is S-E-V-A. And it, 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 for me, I've always understood it to mean deep service. Yes, yeah. yeah. And to, to have deep service, a lot of things in your own mind and heart have to be absolutely clear. So a lot of serving of, you know, others and being in, being literally being physically in desperate situations and seeing that, like we have with our own two eyes, changes you in a way that you will never be able to go back. And you understand that actually life is not meant to enjoy. You do enjoy life through the process of it, mm-hmm. but life is a duty. So our life is a duty mm-hmm. to serve the, mm-hmm. the the greater good because otherwise we would come out as perfect individuals not needing anything from anybody. The baby comes out and it's desperate for love and affection and food and shelter. So if we yeah. need those things and we're in great of number, that means that it's our duty to do that anyway. And I, and one can be of service and still be in joy. Absolutely. The joy is in the participating of yeah. serving, period. Yeah. So this next question, and this came from you, it's always a curious one for me um, because I have strong opinions about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think modern society is ready for sustainability? Question mark. Yeah. I mean, the way that the entire structure of not only the way we think, but the way we interact with the world Mm -hmm. and each other proves to you that as a global society, we're not ready for sustainability. So the reason why I wanted to do Sustainable Humane Earth and the actions that we do is to experiment with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> to literally say, okay, I'm in this modern society. Can I really, all these permaculture principles I've learned, can I really put them in action and prove that my own logic that says it's not ready mm-hmm. is false? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's our mission, you know, to prove to prove that it can work. And I think there are there are many things in place that make that are at a at the core of what makes us not understand it. Uh-huh. And we've one of them. Number one is we've industrialized birth, the process of birth. Uh-huh. So we don't understand that we are divine beings that need a certain interaction with the biorhythms of nature. And mm-hmm. because we've lost our connection with the deep understanding of the biorhythm of nature, so many other things have become out of balance, mm-hmm. like hardly any animals that move in a migration anymore, even in the most, you know, the, the most remote places right. because of, uh, you know, fenced off property and our idea that we think we own this world. Mm-hmm. So the the entitlement that's in programmed within us from very early on is what removes us from being able to live and operate mm-hmm. in this right we see that at this yeah. time especially in politically charged times it's, mm-hmm. we know what it is it's to create separatism yeah so and it's an experiment we're definitely seeing that in our uh political process this year it's yeah it's very separate very clear very clear yeah and that's why i think the more we participate in that the more we uh, continue to 
uh, allow it to exist. So I have many, many friends that are on the other side of this uh, activ- activism work, and they go out into the streets and they create policies and they're doing the political work and all that. And I'm glad that they're there and we need them. I'm glad that they exist. But uh-huh. our action, our action is a direct action. Our action goes straight to the soil. Yeah. Our action goes straight to people, hand in hand, heart to heart connection. Mm-hmm. And we're just literally getting on with it. And that's the experiment. Nice. Nicely, nicely put. So with that, I'm going to shift on you and I'm going to ask sure. you to share about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. I mean, I would say... Uh, you, we we like to use positive thinking, you know. So uh-huh. we I rarely go into into these kinds of ideas with the word failure because it's constantly a learning process of course, and opportunity absolutely. for growth for us yeah. and all that. So I'll, I'll I would say, you know, by that language standards, I'm failing right now. You know, I'm failing all the time. Oh yeah. But in a really simple way, uh, before I got my permaculture training, I planted several fruit trees in uh, in at one of our urban farms uh-huh. and I didn't realize there wasn't very good drainage for the oh, trees yes. right and this lesson took years to learn because <laughs> the fruit trees had they were bare root the fruit trees yep. had to develop and then the fruit started forming but then dropping forming but then dropping again mm. year after year we're not getting any fruit right and I would go out there and hand pollinate and all this stuff you know then got the permaculture training and realized that I had plant. I realized where I had planted them because I went back and observed again after the training. And said, what, <laughs> right. what is going on with this tree? So learned a big lesson. If you you know if you ever want to learn how to lift a five year old fruit tree and try to get some sand or something underneath it, uh-huh. uh, come come see me. We we tried. Well, it's it's still an experiment. I think I've ruined those trees by placing them in the wrong spot. So. It's, it, learn it, my learn my lesson and uh, started fresh with the next plot. Fantastic. Well, you know that's really that's really what there is for us to do is to observe permaculture. Mm-hmm. The main permaculture principle is go out and observe. Is to observe and, and and take the lessons away from it. Right. Yeah. So, what do you consider your biggest success? Well, right now I just I just had a. Uh, my part, life partner and I had just had a baby, so I would oh, consider that as the, the, the greatest wealth, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now she can uh, take everything that we've uh, accomplished in life and turn it up times a thousand uh-huh. with all the, the great advances and access to uh-huh. knowledge and you know spiritual depth that she, she'll have, and just being able to be raised in an environment. Um, that we've cultivated, I, I just, you know, I I dream about what may, she might be able to be, uh, what she would accomplish in her life. Yeah. Fantastic. What drives you? Well, as a person that lives by the principle of Seba, and, you know, if I'm just talking about it from a personal standpoint, um, you you live every single moment, every single heartbeat by that. So the person that's, living by that is not attached to anything else. So there's really nothing else that drives that person. Uh-huh. So uh, I would say it does take some form of devotional flavor in the heart in order to give service to the greater good, whether it be from whatever spiritual philosophy you come from, mm-hmm. some devotional flavor comes in the heart. So I would say it's seva and devotion because to give service, you don't necessarily have to be 
devoted. You can just understand the human need and, and the you know the need of the plants and the animals. But I would say ours is mixed with some level of de- devotion, devotion in other beings, divine mm-hmm. beings, and devotion in the spiritual tenets that we learn. So you sound pretty peaceful to me. <laughs> I feel that way when I talk about those things. Yeah. Yeah. How did you come to that in your life? Uh, it's a daily practice that lasts a lifetime. So I, mm-hmm. I would say I'm coming to it every single time I breathe. And um, when we're talking about failures, I fail at it a lot as well. Uh-huh. You know, the second you move inside your ego and you're worried about what you want and you stop breathing deeply, uh, you start getting trapped by all those emotions that constantly plague you that throw you from the path. So mm-hmm. it's a constant, you know, it's a constant uh, war game in the heart. Or w- what if it's a constant just paying attention? Well, that's mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we try to cultivate. And, you know, the future uh, projects of she will be more in depth like this. The food, what I've noticed is, is that the more than my music or more than spirituality, the food breaks every uh, boundary and barrier because it's a common good that we can all understand. Yeah. Uh, not everyone can understand my philosophy or my music, mm-hmm. but they can understand when I put a picture of a watermelon vine that I grew in my front yard that yielded <laughs> 10, 10 watermelons off of one vine. People are interested in that. Mm-hmm. They want that. So with that interest, then they can come in and see why we're growing the food in the way that we're growing, you know, without it being evangelical or religious in any way. They can just see just from us acting and living out the teachings and things that we, you know, we've come to understand. So what final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say uh, cultivate a willingness to serve others because... Without it, I honestly think uh, any sort of in-depth training you get in, you know, earth-saving strategies is not necessarily going to help any situation. So if there's a lot of selfishness and greed in the heart, um, and and we said that society is not ready for sustainability, then <laughs> I think the only way to create a sustainable society is that we have a lot of people that have healed their own hearts in such a way that they can go out and serve others. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Tiaga. Yeah, this has been great, Greg. I really appreciate what you're doing. This is the definition of what we like to say is acting local and teaching globally. Globally. Thank you. Yes, that's what calls to my heart. Yes. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, Well, we're developing our website now and it is up still so you could go to she nourishes.com she nourishes.com and you could look up sustainable humane earth online and find our many different resources fantastic well that's it for today thanks for joining us on the urban farm podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. 
One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.